Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner back in sunny Cincinnati. Uh, I miss Indianapolis, though. Indianapolis is phenomenal. I would be so upset if they moved the combine. They're talking about moving it to L.A. or Dallas. Indianapolis is legitimately the perfect setting for the combine for a thousand reasons. The convention center, how easy it is to walk from the hotels to the convention center, all that stuff. I just can't imagine going anywhere else. Yeah, anywhere else would just be disjointed. It's the best part about Indy is... No one go. No one. You don't have to go outside if you want to. I mean, you can go outside for like a block. But like, people will say it's cold. Maybe you want to move to a warmer weather city. Like I said, that doesn't even factor in to the equation mm-hmm. when you're in Indianapolis. And plus, it's if, probably going to be a week later now. And it yes. was a week later this year, and the weather was perfect, legitimately perfect. And so, if you're anywhere else, it's just going to be so disjointed and so spread in terms of where people are going to be. It's not going to be near the same. It's just not going to have the same. Panache. I'll tell you what, you go to LA and you have to take 40 minute Ubers to go from your hotel to the convention center. It's not going to be chill. That is not going to be as fun. Kill me. I mean, I might actually get killed. <laughs> <laughs> On the Catch an Early Buzz, I want to dive into some of the stories from Indianapolis. Prime is this steakhouse in Indianapolis. You've probably heard it. If you followed Combine, like for the intricacies and the details of like what happens after you know, the, the media availability and the drills, Prime is this steakhouse that has been during that week converted to a late late bar in Indianapolis right around 11 12 is when one of the bars that everyone goes to in the in the lobby of JW Marriott called high velocity so everyone meets at high velocity then everyone at 12 a.m when that bar closes everyone like legitimately migrates to prime to go from 12 a.m till 6 a.m it is it is I, I said this on the way back it is an unparalleled bar scene there is nowhere colleges nowhere where you're going to get the energy of bar closes at 12 and 90% of the people there walk to a different bar to continue till 6 a.m. You also don't get bars that are serving beers until 6 a.m. Like Prime. I, I will say it's an unparalleled bar scene. Yeah, I talked to some of the wait staff at Prime, and they love the week. Obviously. Because they make bank because they're, like, packed for about eight straight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see some Urban Meyer-esque stuff go down. <laughs> Don't let's not speak to that. Prime is a is a wild place. I would encourage everyone if you are in Indianapolis, like give it a swing. They let anyone in there. It's not like like a, this blocked off event, right? You walk into Prime at three a.m. You're going to run into like six coaches, all these GMs, and all that stuff. Especially during that week, I have two, th- three stories to tell from Prime. One, I ran into Joey Milanaro, who is from Indianapolis. The guy who does all the impressions on Twitter used to work at Barstool. Now is a free agent. Pick him up if you're looking for that kind of content. Milanaro, I went up to him and I was like, you know what? I feel like I have this good Gus Johnson impression. And I know his is really good. And I was like, hey, I want to throw it at you. You know, you probably get this a lot. And I was also thinking about this too. Like Molinaro, like I feel like an asshole for bringing it up the way I did because he probably gets talked to like a a circus clown. Like do the impressions, Molinaro, do the impressions. That's all anyone talks about with him, which in hindsight I wish I didn't do. But I did do the Gus Johnson impression, and he was a fan of it. He was a fan of it. Second thing, Jack Del Rio, I went up to him because I was obviously a big Raiders fan in his tenure. And I was like, hey, man, pretty much just some dumb shit. Like, thanks for the 2016 season. I feel like Derek Carr didn't get hurt. You know, you, we would have been going deep in the playoffs. He's like, if you give me Derek Carr for two or three years after that, we win a Super Bowl. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> Jack Del Rio was feeling it. And the last thing, when Prime closes, which is like 6 a.m. some nights, they give everyone who's left in the bar an Uncrustable. I didn't get that the first night, second night, or third night. But my last night in Indianapolis, I stayed long enough to grab it. And it was not worth it. But the story, there it is. I've actually never had an Uncrustable. Probably going to keep it They're not way. good. They're um, not good. Jolie Molinaro, though, to go back to that story, I wasn't there to witness this. 
but I am sure that he never says to someone, your impression stinks. Okay, I'm just going to okay, say, I'm just going to go on He was laughing, though. It was like a genuine laugh. He wasn't like, yeah, that's pretty good. It wasn't like some bullshit feedback. He was like laughing with us. Like, and he had other friends with him. We were all laughing. I swear it was cool, Mike. Just say. <laughs> no, he said it was pretty good, but yeah. maybe he was lying, no, it is. which it is, is completely unfair. Um, any, any stories from you on the Prime side of things? No, besides the Matt Lafleur one, I learned my lesson about. Trying oh my to, gosh! Trying to interact with any other human beings after that. That was the. End you of can't my week. introduce yourself to Matt Lafleur <laughs> as Mike Renner shareholder. <laughs> That's I mean, absurd. That was a good. That was a good intro. No, it, it was as bad as. That's not a good uh, intro. I bet Seth had a little more negative interaction <laughs> with Matt Lafleur too. I guess you're just not a fan of PFFers. I also this story I didn't tell. On the last night, I ran into Nick Sirianni, who did a podcast with us here at PFF. You should go check it out. He's a super cool guy. And we were talking a little bit about the hoop stuff and like him making guys play hoops. And he's like, "What's the game next year?" And he's like, "I'm going to do ping pong." So like I want to have them play ping pong. I got a ping pong table, and he has this thing that like fires balls at him, so he doesn't even have to play anybody. And he just like is like working it a little bit. Yeah. And I said I could beat him in ping pong because I played a ton in college. And he says there's no way. And yeah. then well, while he was scrolling, he's scrolling through his photos. <laughs> this is one of the worst things I think I did over the week. He's scrolling through his photos of trying to show me this little ping pong shooter thing he's got, and. Um, He's, he scrolls by like a picture of his kids. I'm like, oh, how old are your kids? Just kind of making general talk. He's like, oh, my oldest is six years old. He just scored 24 in a basketball game. I says, no fucking way. I was like, no way. What basketball is he playing? Mini hoop? But then we started laughing. But Nick Sirianni, probably not thrilled that I said no fucking way. I think I called him high. I said, are you high? There's no way your kid scored 24. But Prime continues. Brady Quinn. Yeah. Made it to the podcast. The before and after of that podcast was absolutely sensational. He comes in hot. Yeah. Brady Quinn of Notre Dame. CBS Sports comes in absolutely hot. He's talking about hand size and different things. He's roasting me a bit for my haircut. And at the back end, I tell him that I'm taking a graduate course at Notre Dame online. And he can't believe it. Oh, he said, what are you taking it in to be a barber? Yeah, he said I was going to be a barber. I think he was making fun. He was, I mean, he was definitely laying into hair. me a bit. But uh, Brady Quinn continues to be just one of the more impressive guests we can get on. He's just a, he's such a character. But the funny thing is, like, he comes in, says all this, like, talking shit to us. And then he gets on any show he's on, I feel like, and he's so straight-laced. Oh, I know. And it's so, like, keeps it between – keeps it close to the vest. But then after the show, he, he's, he's not quite the same. He's, he's, he's a bully. He, he, did have the you, Bi- he did have the Biden comment that I do think would be a bit polarizing. I was kind of like – that was probably the one – I was like, I'd rather him say the shit he was saying before about the hand size and swinging baseball bats down low. Um, last thing here, combine times. This is absurd. Or, no, a couple more things on the catch and only buzz. This is from NFL Research. 2022 was the year of the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. Combine record since 20, 2003. Average 4.71 seconds, fastest ever. 31 players with a sub 4-4, most ever. That's almost double ever. Fastest running back, wide receiver, O-line, D-line, linebacker, and DB groups ever. How are, they, how are you sending that out and not like uh, – it's not obvious that this – because it wasn't a ramp-up period, right? It yeah. wasn't like they're getting faster, they're getting faster. It's like, holy shit, we have double the amount of players running a sub 4-4. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some faulty data there. Yes, like how, how do you send this tweet out and not realize that you have every, literally every single position group besides, I believe, quarterback had the fastest group ever? In a class where people have been dogging it, people have yeah. been dogging this class for not being that great, and yet all of a sudden it's like the fastest class in the world, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So, I, was, I think where I first felt it was off was the running backs. Yes, when, when the finals came in, because... 
the wide receivers, everyone's like, oh, wow, this is incredible. It's incredible. And they all came kind of back down to earth. But, like, in respect, they all were very fast. Like, there were a ton of guys in the 4-3s. Not as the, fast as the 4-2s we saw. But then in the running backs group, where running back is notoriously a position where, like, we were saying, if you run a low 4-4 running back, you're one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. They are not a lot of guys really <laughs> blazing. Jonathan Taylor, 4-3-9, that was, like, a rarity. Six guys went 4 3 nine or faster in this class. That was the one where I was really like, holy shit, these are not real. And I was texting Brady Quinn, and he lives down in South Florida and Miami, and he knows the trainers of these guys. And the trainers were texting him saying, they have never run this fast in our training. We have laser times. We set this shit up. We have done this for all these guys. Yeah. They have not run this fast. That's all I'm saying. And normally the trainers are the complete opposite. Right? Yeah. The trainers are like, like, no, man, in training he's capable. talking four ones. Yeah. It's like when the trainers are saying, wait a second. Because they run a bunch prior to. Oh, they yeah. know what range they're going to be in. And you're hoping to hit the low end of that range. Almost no one with you know this lack of sleep they get uh, being on their feet all day that day of the co- actual combine testing no one's going below the range they tested in prior to this, except for, shit, everyone here at this year's combine. So something was off with this data, we'll just say. Which you hate to see. You because also, see. like, if you go just look, the amount of guys – so when guys do run the four threes, when you have big guys running four threes and low four fours, their jumps match up. Mm-hmm. There were so many guys who would go four three eight with a 33-inch vertical and a 10-2 broad jump. The jumps just were like, off for a lot of guys on both yes. ends, too. There were guys who were jumping out of the gym, but, like, running slower 40s. And it was, it was, that's uh, just a rarity to see. Yeah. Usually when you are fast, you, it matches up with another test that you'll do that is also an elite level. That's what the case is. There's some obvious oddities and outliers in this year's combine data, which is why I do think a lot of these guys – will run at their pro day. Like, I think a lot of these guys will run at their pro day. Why would you? It's all fast. So, some of the guys that I think ran slow, though. I mean, I, yeah. I think Chris Olave is going to run his pro day and run the low four threes. Like, him being slower than Garrett Wilson was not something literally anyone was talking about. Yeah. And then he, I think there's some there's some oddities there. I think they will run at their pro day. Uh, last thing here on the Catch Really Buzz, and then we're going to do our full offensive combine review. Winners, losers, back the tape, and the pump the brakes. Chris Godwin, David Njoku, and Orlando Brown all expected to receive the franchise tag. Orlando Brown, they traded for him, probably just extending a process to give him a long-term deal, which I am wary of. How much are you paying Orlando Brown Jr.? He was not all that spectacular this past year. You pay him among the top six, top eight offensive tackles. You could be putting yourself in an interesting cap situation. David Njoku, I don't really understand either. Njoku one's the weirdest one to me because he's done, like, zilch for them. And... Was a guy I just thought they'd let walk, and no one would really pay that highly to. Now, now the tight end tag is not too much comparatively to other positions, but it's still, like you said, odd for a guy who is at best your number two tight end. So, I' not sure where they, what what uh, plan they have for him next year. But TBD on that. The Orlando Brown one, that one had to happen when. They traded for him. Like, uh, that's what we said. When you trade for a guy, give up the cap- draft capital they do. Orlando Brown has all the leverage. He's got you behind the balls. He's, he knows that you, that you need him more than he needs you at that point. And so for him to agree to a contract, he, he, he's looking for top of the market at this point. So that one was always going to be a franchise tag. And then Godwin. It was either Godwin or Davis that they're going to tag. I'm surprised they went Godwin. I mean, considering all they lost to wide receiver, though, maybe I shouldn't be too surprised that they – yeah, they got options at corner and not necessarily options after Godwin at wide receiver that can be replaceable. But I, coming off the ACL, that one, I, I, that was just a t- touch surprising to me. I'll say. 
I do I do think all three of those are surprising for different reasons. For Godwin, though, is the one I found least surprising. I think Joku, I mean, they have Austin Hooper. Like, are they, I don't understand why they're trying to spend that much at a low-value position. With Orlando Brown Jr., not that surprised, I guess, because they did trade for him. But Godwin and Orlando Brown kind of makes sense. The Njoku one, kind of surprised by. Unless they find you know a long-term deal in time where you're not paying him like a ton of money on this tag, um, despite not being probably a top five, top ten. Ten point nine million dollars for Njoku. Four hundred seventy-five yards last year. You got so sheesh. Sheesh. On to our presenting sponsor. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their Ultra Premium Collection. Believe it or not, it's not. For your not so private, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair routine kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF. I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub a dub dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Number two. Lather your hair up with the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin togging. What the freak is togging? Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is here kissing chapped up lips. Getting dressed after is optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is down the bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Now, I was listening to Seth Galina, who is an analyst here at PFF, host on the Tailgate po- or Too High podcast. And he, after reading that, said to Deontay, what's your favorite scent? And Deontay was kind of like searching for his answer, obviously thrown off guard. And then Seth said, I have an interesting take. And he said shower farts, which was one of the Stop. worst one of the worst takes I've ever heard. He's like, your pores are... It was like... Interesting is a word. It, 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 it's bad. It's a bad take. I see... If you've ever followed Seth on Twitter, he, he will post his dating L's. And I can see why there's a lot of data, dating L's to go around. Seth. That, that's just not a take you want to like shout from the rooftops, in my opinion. It's an interesting take. It's objectively a gross take, <laughs> yeah. but shouting it from the rooftops. Seth what Lina, would be your best smell, Favorite smell? Mm. People are like, oh, I like gasoline or rainy asphalt. Like People gasoline. like those kind of smells. I'm trying to think of like a, like of one I'd want to wear. You know, like I like Dove soap. Dove soap smells well. Yeah. Smells I like well. any soap. I like Irish Spring. Irish Spring. Irish Spring. Sm- I'm not a big Irish Spring guy. I like the beach. The beach is a good smell. The, nice. the, just the, we got to get the off thickness this. of it. We got to yeah. get off this. <laughs> Onto the offensive combine review. The way we're going to look at this is going to highlight some winners at each position, some losers at each position, and then I put in here back to the tape guys that like tested really well, and you're willing to go back to the tape on. Maybe guys you haven't watched a ton of or didn't see some of the athleticism on tape. And then the pump the brakes, I think, is important too because like everyone that tested well is not people you should go back to tape on, right? Or even everyone that tested badly shouldn't be guys you're just like completely vaulting down your board. So the pump the brakes segment will be good as well. Start with the winners. I think there's only one real winner. You could potentially highlight EJ Perry, the Brown quarterback that did test pretty well, but I don't think he's going to skyrocket off boards after you know testing a little bit better than maybe people expected. The biggest winner was probably Desmond Ritter, who I do think solidified his first round status with an impressive combine, 10-inch hands, um, one five nine ten 10-yard split. 
That's under 1.6 for Desmond Ritter, who is a little bit lighter, only 211 pounds, but 36-inch vert, 7.153 cone, 4.29 short shuttle, and 127-inch broad, which is 10.7. That was an impressive time. I didn't even mention the 40. Ran a 4.52. Desmond Ritter, who Brady Quinn was telling us on the pod that might be faster than Malik Willis in a straight line, honestly, yeah, probably. showed out that um, he's got some athleticism to his game. Yeah, to me, I've, we've talked about him before as an athlete. I, I'm not surprised by any of these, like I said, under on his was rushing prop, right? I said like four five five and then I said under on that. Four five two is a good time. He's he's straight line fast though. He's not he's Marks Mariota as a runner. Like Marks Mariota never did stuff that Lamar Jackson's doing. He never did stuff that shit even you know, like uh, Jalen Hurts can do. Like he's not an actual runner of the football that you're going to hand the ball off to or let carry ten, fifteen times in the game. But the threat the threat's something you got to respect with Desmond Ritter, and this kind of just solidifies that. The bigger thing to me is he did have 211 pounds. Like, he's a guy who's skinny. I think he was at the Senior Bowl 207. You need that number to keep creeping up that you just would rather he put on some good weight once he gets to the league because skinny quarterbacks, that's, that's a thin dude to try to hold up in the NFL. The loser was obviously the talk of the town, man. We didn't do a single hit with anyone that didn't bring up Kenny Pickett's hand size. He comes in at eight and a half, ties for the lowest we've seen at a combine ever. We talked about the Michael Vick comparison, how it doesn't hold up. And I thought Brady Quinn on the previous episode probably had the most positive take on it, where he said he wears gloves. He's already compensating for it. And honestly, wearing those gloves, if he's learned to throw with those gloves, which he obviously has over the course of his Pittsburgh career, they almost have the grip, you know, the grip capability of a guy who has like over ten inch hands, right? And I think that's where I feel. I, I feel obviously you highlight Kenny Pickett. And it's sometimes fun to bring up. He's only got eight and a half inch hands, and hand size jokes are, are great and all. I do think that if Kenny Pickett showed he's accurate with the football and can, can and will continue to wear gloves at the collegiate level, it does give you some promise, right? If he was wearing no gloves in college and got away with a lot of this stuff, I do think that the bigger ball would get to him. But knowing that he has the gloves and is already kind of accompanying for it, um, I do think mitigates some of it. I still think he comes off the board in the first round. I'm not taking him as QB1. I know others see him as QB1. But I felt that before we knew the hand size, right? I wasn't like, oh, man, eight and a half. Now he's not QB1. I think a lot of people were already baking this in. Yeah, this was – you knew he had small hands. So it's not, not really a loser, just putting a number to it. So yeah. we got to say winners and loser for content, but it is what it is. I, I also will say that the the glove the glove stuff, I don't I think it's like thrown out too quickly. It's like he's got eight and a half a chance. It's going to hurt him. It's like, dude, he is like, how many quarterbacks in the NFL wear, wear two gloves? Teddy. I, mean, I think Teddy wears two gloves. Teddy, two gloves. I'm an idiot. But he also does it to compensate <laughs> for hand size and all that shit. And he's not like, he's not like, a guy that has like massively struggled with fumbles or struggled with accuracy. And like that's where I don't like if you have a good grip on the ball and get it out, that's where it matters. Now, in the rain, it's gonna be a factor. You know, and I think you brought it up to to Brady on that thing. He's like, Well, if only had a sample size of playing on Heinz Field. It's like, no, his grading's bad. When it's raining, when it's snowing, it's not great. Yeah. And I think that will cost him. But if it's a sunny day out, if he's playing in a dome, should be in a good place. Any back to the tape or pump the brakes? Not a lot of quarterbacks tested or tested fully. The combine's nothing for quarterbacks. It is literally nothing for quarterbacks. You do not take away, do not move a dude at the, because, of the, because of the combine for a quarterback. I don't know. I'm thinking about moving Malik Willis up. All right. Go on ahead. to running backs. The obvious winner, and I know you want to highlight K Dub, Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State as well, but Brees Hall. Brees Hall comes in over 200 pounds, runs a 439, yeah, on a fast track that we're kind of downing, but man, the other drills were good too. Like Brees Hall had one of the best athletic scores while he was out there, um, you know, comes in 
at 217 pounds, runs a 154 10 yard split, which is impressive. 439 40 yard dash, 126 inch vert, and a 40 inch or 126 broad and a 40 inch vertical for Brees Hall. That w- those were really good numbers for the Iowa State back. Yeah, even the most aggressive sort of speed adjustment that you would want to make, saying, you know, regress this back, whatever these times, these average times back to an average class, would be like a tenth of a second. So if you're if you're saying you don't believe this time, he's still going under four five, which would have been a great time for a two hundred seventeen pound back if you thought about Brees Hall coming into this. I believe we set him at four five, K Walk at four four five heading into this in terms of what we thought they'd be speed wise, and that's so those are very good times for them, especially at their size, two hundred eleven pounds for Kenneth Walker, Kenny Walker, two hundred seventeen pounds for Brees Hall, NFL size backs, NFL caliber speed. To me, those are. Like I've, I said this last week, as good as the running backs sale come out last year, I, I cannot believe they're not getting talked about as much. Now, after those two, I don't know. I, I don't love the class a- after that, but those are two legit running backs, in my opinion. Kenneth Walker also had the fastest 10-yard split of any of the running backs there at 211 pounds, a 149 10-yard mm. split. Getting under the 1-5 is difficult. You compare that to Brees Hall, who clocked a 439, 1-5-4, 10-yard split. That explosiveness obviously shows up on tape, one of the best tackle breakers in college football. I'm, I'm obviously, you know, PFF. We don't draft running backs in the first round. Borderline objected going against in the top 50. Back into the second round, I'm starting to feel good about Kenneth Walker. Where your, where's your head at there? Yeah, back in the second round. I, I take it. I think he's plug and play. Like you said, back um, into the second round. I'll say this too: back into the second round for a team that has obvious, obvious path to the field for him. Because there are teams that do draft running backs that maybe are good fits or maybe are you know guys that they want to add to their offensive back in the second round, but they don't have this obvious path to the field. You need to start getting value out of the running backs you take inside the first 70, first 80 picks rapidly right like don't draft a kenneth walker if you're gonna draft him inside the top 60 top 70 if you're not gonna immediately throw him into a high high volume role like their lifespan in the nfl running back lifespan in the nfl is very short and if you're gonna spend the first two years and i mean look what the green bay packers did like as good as as much as aj Dillon has been better than pff expected it's been talked about a ton that he wasn't on pff's draft board that year and we weren't super high on him Drafting him into the situation where they did, where he's not obviously he's seeing the field, has not been literally nothing for them to win. Yeah, games. has not been <laughs> you know, a plus like, return. Now, yeah, I think where PFF was wrong on the AJ Dillon was him not being a top two fifty player in that draft. Maybe, yeah. but the other not maybe definitely. But the other piece of that is Green Bay selecting him when they know they have Aaron Jones, and then they go out and extend Aaron Jones on that contract. It just doesn't make sense. Draft if you are drafting running backs in the top one hundred, make sure they're going to come in run the ball and get 200 touches. That's where that's where my head's at. So hopefully Kenneth Walker does land in that spot like that. <clears throat> Losers. Holy shit, Kyron Williams. What happened? He's a golden domer like us. I had said a while back, I remember when Trevor first got Trevor Sigma first got hired. He's like, dude, he loves Kyron Williams, thinks he's just game or whatever. I'm like, I, I don't think he's going to test. I just don't think he's a good athlete. Like, I love the skill set. I, I love what he's capable of as, like, a runner, vision you know, stiff Dude. arms great. His like pass pros great. His receiving ability is great. But I just didn't love the athlete. And this, even I did not think. I I thought four six guy, and he would be a little bit better. Kind of short area. Doesn't do a cone or a shuttle. No running back did a cone or a shuttle. Um, four six five forty thirty two inch vertical and a nine eight broad jump. Just all awful numbers. And at one hundred ninety four pounds after being listed at one ninety nine. Exactly. Light and unathletic which is, as we say here all the time, not the combination you want. 
dude, that is ugly. You do not want to be 32 inch vert. And there's some other guys that, you know, tested worse 31 inch vert for Bam Knight, 30 inch vert for Letty Brown, but 32 for Kyron Williams as light as he was like, those guys are both two, over 200 pounds is a huge concern, man. That, that stinks, man. I do like him as a player. I do like him in pass protection. I think Trevor Sikma made a joke that, um, you know, add, add 80 pounds and move him to center or something. That could be a play for Kyron Williams. But the running back situation of 4.65, literally the slowest 40 of any running back in attendance. On what was a fast track for most of these guys, yeah. <laughs> not what you like to see. But the crazy thing is, I think Isaiah Spiller might have had a worse combine. Really? So we didn't trust the 40. But a 30-inch vertical and a 9.6 broad jump. Oh, that's gross. For Isaiah Spiller. And now he's, he's a bigger dude. He's 217 pounds. But even 217 pounds is not like big yeah. running back where you can excuse away uh, poor explosive numbers. Those are those aren't good. Your that, boy Rashad is, White. Your boy Rashad White had a good combine too. Not yeah. necessarily a, a massive winner, but 38 inch for 125 inch broad and a 448 at 214 pounds. Rashad White, who yeah. I think is not nowhere near flawless from a technique perspective, especially as we saw him run routes at some of the All Star uh, the All Star Bowl. I still think though that that's good testing for him. Yeah, I agree. On to back to the tape. Who's 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 sending you back to the tape from their combine performance at the running back position? The Rutgers running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Went four three seven at two hundred and sixteen pounds. I will be honest, I did not see this coming. And he was one of the guys who the jumps didn't match the dash. Four three seven forty yard dash with a thirty three inch vertical and a not even ten foot broad jump, which is like nine ten broad jump, which are Usually, if you have a 33-inch vertical and a 9-10 broad jump, you run, like, mid to high 4.5s. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially at 216 pounds. Like, you, if you think you're 216 pounds, means you're probably pretty rocked up for running back. 5'10", 216, you're pretty loaded. So if you're running 4.37 but then can't get off the ground, I, I don't know how that exactly works. But going to have to go back and check the tape to see that again. Got to come in. You know what it's got to come in at? The flying twenty, flying twenty. The flying twenty is where it's got to show up because he has a he only has a one five five ten yard split, which is bad. All the other guys who are testing in the four threes have a much lower ten yard split than that, so that's where the explosiveness not showing up. It's the flying twenty for flying Isaiah 20. Pacheco. The flying twenty. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes on these forty times. I, I just I just don't believe him for this running back class. Like even Brian Robinson, a dude who power his vert back was in good Alabama, thirty eight inch vert goes four five three. I don't think anyone. Thought, I didn't think he was 4.53. I thought he was like a 4.6. I thought he tested kind of how Najee uh, did last year. The Zamir White going 4.4, 4, faster than James Cook at 4.42. Like some of these just, I don't know. It, it, every When everyone besides Kyron Williams comes in faster than I'd expect, I guess I'm just a little like, hmm. I was wrong about Brian Ramsey. Only a 30-inch vert and a 119-inch broad, but then still test 4.53. Like, again, like those are yeah, not matching up. Match up. Those are not matching up. Ty Chandler, 31-inch vert, 121-inch broad, and still grand a 4.42. That makes no sense. Ty Chandler's not 4.38. That makes – oh, it's 4.38. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. I guess do pump the brakes on these 40 pump times the for running backs. 40 times. All right. Tight end position. Before we get to the tight end position, got to shout out Western Southern, a proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Tight ends. Were we not expecting a faster tight end group? I thought a lot of people were getting really excited for Dolchich. He runs a 4-7. 
people getting excited for some of these other guys. I mean, no one saw Daniel Bellinger, San Diego State tight end, running a faster time than the Dolchich. In my opinion, I thought a lot of people were hyping him up as this big athlete. Four six nine is good. I, I thought anything under four seven would be good for him. I thought he had a very good all around combine, in my opinion, because he he's one of the few guys that actually did every drill. And now, the running back class as a whole skipped three cone the shuttle. The cornerback class, besides Zion McCollum, all skipped the three cone the shuttle too. It, it's you have to go back to the drawing board when you have that many people skipping out on drills just because they don't agree with how they're being tested. That think about how you approach that next year NFL. But for Dolchis to, I think he tested above average and literally dash, bench, vertical, broad jump, three cone, and short shuttle. Like I, I, that's all you can ask. Now he's a little undersized, two forty three, but I thought he had a very good all around day for himself. Jelani Woods as well tested it tested absurdly for a guy his size. You also Chigo the the, the Maryland tight end. A, a, any of those guys moving up for you? I know we haven't talked about them a ton. Jelani Woods is the one where he's such an interesting prospect. And now I don't I have been on record saying I don't love this tight end class. Like a lot of these guys are just capable receivers, but capable doesn't move the needle in the NFL. They're placeholders once you get to the league. Jelani Woods is one of the few guys who could be more than that in time now. He's 6'7", 259, the Virginia tight end. Goes 4'6", 1 with 24 bench reps. He also falls down on like a dig route in the, <laughs> against air, which is kind of a thing. He just is not a route runner by any means. Very awkward. But again, we keep talking about a lot of the routes you run as tight end are not quote-unquote routes. They are running a straight line quickly. Um, so I'm not terribly worried, but like because of where he will be drafted is like fourth, fifth round. That's where it's fine to take that chance. But I'm, this is the guy I'd rather take a chance on than a Cole Turner who has, you know, good, better, you know, quote unquote route running ability, is a more natural receiver at this point in time, but goes four seven six, uh, with the sub thirty inch vertical. Like I, I'll take the guy with the athletic ability to look like one of the top t- tight ends in the NFL. Nine times out of ten, excuse me, ten times out of ten, once you get to day three, besides the guy who can like. Yeah, he can kind of catch and run routes, but he's just never going to go above and beyond. Not just sub thirty inch. That thing was twenty seven inches. Yeah, that's, that's absurd. Rough. He had a rough. He had himself a rough time. That was hard to watch. Losers, you highlighted Cole Turner. I think we've already we've already baked that in. It was not a good testing day for Cole Turner, the Nevada t- tight end. But back to the tape for Chigo, you think? Yes, I am going to have to watch this dude. Had not actually watched him heading into this because he's six two two thirty eight. That's just like odd size for shit anywhere offensively <laughs> you know like that that's a defensive player usually 6'2 238 that is not tight end that's not really big enough to even be a fullback that's not a wide receiver it's too short really to be at that big to be a wide receiver that's a massive fucking running back so i don't know where he fits in but 452 at that size is still an athlete 35 and a half inch vertical is still an athlete so intrigued to see what exactly you're getting with this guy at the next level and you're saying overall pump the brakes on this tight end class? I would agree, man. Yes. I, I was expecting more of these guys to test like like mid to low four sixes with some of the people. I think there was a late surge for you know, Dolchich being like a legit, legit athlete and some of these guys like surging up. And we didn't even see Isaiah Likely run the 40-yard dash. We didn't see a lot of these guys. Trey McBride didn't run yeah. the 40-yard dash. No Weidermeyer. The, a lot of the tight ends opted out of testing, which is depending on – it can be a red flag. Now, this year's with how the, it's all been set up and a lot of – trainers telling them to opt out not as much of a red flag but i do think if you knew you were going to crush a drill 
you would have done it. Like Zion McCollum, the cornerback for Sam Houston State, the only guy who does the three-cone, the only guy who does the shuttle, and he runs 99th percentile in the three-cone, 97th percentile in the shuttle because he knew he was going to crush it. So if you knew you were going to crush it, you probably would have still tested. So a lot of these tight ends opting out, a lot of top guys. And that's just a tough so That's why I say pop the brakes in yeah. that. Like, don't draft these. I just wouldn't take, honestly, besides Trey McBride, I'm not, I don't know if I'm taking any guy on day two. Either. I think that might be it. That the you know doesn't necessarily mean if you don't t- choose not to test you're going to be awful yeah, yeah. but it definitely means it's not going to be great you know like you said like you're, you're saying with Zion McCollum even if he wasn't feeling great he knows it's going to be upper 90 percentile you're going to do it yeah with these tight ends maybe a lot of these guys are more in that 60 to 70 percentile which again speaks to maybe not taking any of them besides McBride on day two outside receivers i want to split these up i want to split receivers oh, and slot receivers a little bit but we you have them all bucketed in because i do think it's important to like move some of these guys like calvin austin want to highlight him he's not gonna be a guy that you're coveting to play outside receiving in the nfl but still had himself a really impressive combine this guy that could be a gadget player in yeah, the let's, nfl let's, let's flip him we'll do slot receivers too I talk tried to outline it in the dock, and you just ruined me. You didn't. Well, you didn't have the winners. You didn't have the stuff underneath it when you put slot receivers. That's on me. That's on me. That's no, me. no, really, blame me. Blame me. All right, let's start with slot receivers. Okay. I want to highlight Calvin Austin Jr. Definitely Comes will. in one five ten yard split, and now remind you, he is only one hundred seventy pounds. Only one hundred seventy pounds. Five foot seven, five foot eight, one hundred seventy pounds. The Calvin Austin Memphis wide receiver, only thirty inch arms, which almost guarantees him into the slot especially at his size one five ten yard split four three two forward yard dash and then 135 inch broad 39 inch for really really impressive combine performance calvin austin despite not being everyone's cup of tea like there will literally be teams that don't have a calvin austin role in their offense i do think that teams want to invest in a gadget player or maybe don't have that kind of explosiveness in the slot i think he could be an intriguing piece on day two yes he's thing is he is so small yeah. where 170 is, is tiny without a big wingspan so he is i mean i could see similar production to like Tavon austin but where do you draft it Tavon austin was never productive <laughs> you yeah. know like i could see it i could see some like impressive plays on his tape but like even saw it with maybe the best gadget prospect in recent memory in rondale moore last year a guy who's just so limited wingspan wise just struggled to get that guy in the field even. And, mm-hmm. and now we've talked about that one a ton to where we don't need heart, but I think in a different offense, Rondale could still put up numbers, but not, it's just, you're not a lot of offenses are going to even want you on the football field. So sadly winner, because he's a freak athlete. And I hope he goes somewhere that is going to utilize him. But in that regard, just not necessarily a guy that's going to be covered by everybody. I think a lot of people were impressed too with Khalil Shakir, who I think does, yeah, play from the slot as well. Only twenty nine inch arms, but a one four nine ten yard split. Very difficult to get under the one five mark, and a four four three forty yard dash for him. The jumps weren't as good. The cones weren't cones world rough. beating, but um, the, the straight line speed was impressive. Not a lot of great cones in the receiver position. So, the, the outside guy- of your boy, the Golden Dome. Six seven one for Kevin Austin Jr. and a four one five short shuttle is nothing to slouch at. That's so pretty impressive. I know you said that's a guy maybe you want to go back to the tape on. Yeah, that's that's for outside receivers. So yeah, you, you want to split them up. I uh, know it's on you, me. That's on what me. What are you doing here? <laughs> you just said you want to split them up. Losers in the slot, though. I think Wandale Robinson. I just can't get past the size aspect. Now four 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 is good, but a thirty five four and a half inch vertical and not even a ten foot broad jump are not good. And five eight one seventy eight with twenty seven and five eight inch arms, slowest shortest arms of any receiver in the NFL that will have been drafted, should he be drafted, since they started measuring arms. That's 
it's just not great. It's gonna be tough. You know, like again, NFL does not covet those guys who don't have can't make plays inside the frame as much as they look good in college because the windows are bigger. You get more room, especially underneath, to pump to those guys. It's a role that rarely exists as much in the NFL, and it's like that guy can't do certain things. We talked about this with, I believe, Nate Tice, that you want to put together your roster like a basketball team. You don't your receiver have, room. Like receiver room. Team. You don't want a receiver that just has to do one thing. You don't want Muggsy Bogues necessarily. Muggsy Bogues exactly. is an outlier. You know, you you're go. not chasing Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. You're definitely like, hope, you know, there's a chance that some of these guys that are smaller you know, could have success. But also, like, coming in, only 178 pounds and running a 444, that's just not it. Like, I, <laughs> like, I think that can obviously be, it's obviously low, but. You need to be in the four threes, my guy, if you're going to be that light and that small. How about um, – And then Slade Bolden's a loser as well, even though we were talking with – who was I talking with? It's been like, he got a combine invite because he knows the Patriots are going to maybe draft him in the seventh or sign him as a free agent because he's Mac Jones' best friend apparently. So, Oh, is he Mac Jones' yeah. best friend? Wow. Okay. Let's get to outside. Or any, anyone back to the tape on with the with – this? Yeah, so slot receiver, back to the tape. I will say Bo Melton, a guy who was impressive but was kind of at the senior bowl. From the Rutgers wide receiver, but he was kind of in the had some reps that were going towards the gosh, I'm blanking on the name, the Ohio State former Braxton Miller, the Braxton <laughs> Miller range of Dancy in the gotcha. reps that just took a long while to develop. That you're not going to be able to do at the NFL level, but four three four forty, thirty eight inch vertical, ten one broad jump, and a six nine eight three cone at five eleven hundred eighty nine pounds are good numbers for a slot receiver projection of the league so i'm intrigued i'm intrigued i'm seeing all Rutgers guys in the back of the tape <laughs> how about Didn't watch uh, a lot of Rutgers apparently last year is what it's outside receivers the obvious big winner was christian watson the big guy at north dakota state who oh, tested yeah. absurdly big big in the jumps big in the 40 gotta go i mean he's a winner he's, he's a guy you gotta go back to the tape on uh you had brett coleman call him a first round player i think some people overall. are 12th overall. I mean, he's at least a lock for the you know round two now. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a lock for round two. You don't test that well um, and have the production that he had at North Coast State and not, and not have success. Yeah, so he's a winner. I'd say Sky Moore with the 4-4-140 is a winner. Garrett Wilson going 4-3-8 is a winner. Alec Pierce with his just all-around day of 4-4-140, 40-plus-inch vertical, 10-9 broad jump, and even a 7-1-3-3 cone at 211 pounds is pretty solid for a guy that size. So thought he was a winner um the losers though in this Traylon burks and david bell the arkansas wide receiver and the purdue wide receiver Traylon was more about expectations i mean four or five five isn't objectively bad for a wide receiver but again he so he was the one guy who like the jumps matched the speed and athletic like yeah four five five forty 33 inch vertical 10 two broad jump that's like what it looks like usually when you have a 33-inch vertical and a 10-2 broad jump. You run a 4-5-5. And then a 7-2-8-3 cone, just none of those compared to the receiver position. Now you can shout speed score at me all you want, but speed score doesn't help you, help you stack a cornerback. The next level. It doesn't help you on an over route when you have to get separation. It's more impressive it's, it's, yeah, athletically. It's more impressive, yeah. But it's but, not necessarily going to like show up, when, like you said, when you're stacking a receiver. The thing with Traylon Burks is I never saw – and I feel like a lot about the combine. When we get to the defensive combine review too, I feel like – Bruce Feldman's freaks list created a lot of expectations for these guys going into the combine. And with those expectations, even on tape. Well, Burks was never about his athleticism in there. What was, well, it was about his low 40, 40 time. No. Really? No, it was about how much he squatted. It was his strength numbers. 
And his hand size. I do think that I never saw. But also saw, even his hand size was low. <laughs> I, I personally think I never saw that tier one explosives that people expected from Traylon Burton. I didn't think he was going to run the 4-4. Didn't you just pick him to win the combine last week? I don't think I did. I, I highlighted him to go over his 40 time that you said. Oh, possibly. I can't remember. But these are, again, below average numbers. Like now you can – weight adjusted, yeah, it's better. But, like, again, weight adjustment doesn't help you get open in the NFL. It helps you maybe at the catch point. But that's why we say the wide receivers nowadays are trending towards 190 instead of 220. And then for David Bell, it's just weight adjusted or not. These were bad numbers. These are slow. Weight adjusted all you want. He's not even that big. Like he's not even – Danny had the Traylon Burks excuse of he's massive. He's, what, 211 pounds, comes in at a four six five forty for David Bell, which is – I mean, something we said. I think we put the over-under at four six. I think we might have gone over on that. But 33-inch vertical, sub-10-foot broad jump, seven one four three cone, which like, that's probably his best number. But then even a four five seven shuttle is very ugly. So David Bell – Sadly, people asking why we were lower on him. Well, this is why. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes on some of these speedsters. You do it every year. Easy to fall in love with 4-2, but go flip on the tape of Tyquan Thornton, Vellis Jones, who's about to turn 25 after the draft. The guys who ran 4-2-8 and 4-3-1, the fast two wide receivers of the combine, respectively. And you don't see much besides speed, which great, but there's a reason why you flip that fastest combine 40s for wide receiver graphic every year and it's like who are these guys you know yeah. like what are they what are they doing in the league that's how i that's how i'd say what's what i'd say about pumping the brakes on tech one thorn and village jones i didn't even see this from sky Moore. i knew i saw the 441 but he also had a 146 10 146 10 yard split for sky Moore is explosive my goodness sky Moore getting out of there um offensive tackles before we get to the offensive didn't you, didn't you mention the 10 and quarter inch hands for sky yeah, that's true. Biggest thing won the combine. And, and he came receiver. in short, you know, but not like shorter than expectation, but he is a shorter receiver, I think under six foot. He but, was the one guy. He was listed at 5'10 by Western, Western Michigan. And he came in 5'10. That's the only guy. See. I think it's the only guy who actually did that at the combine. But he also had 31-inch arms, I believe. A little yeah. over 30-inch arms at least, yeah. which you, you want to get past that. If you want to project and play on the outside, that is not – Obviously a death knell, but it is you're an extreme outlier if you do not have over 30 inch arms playing outside receiver in the NFL. Before we get to off the tackles, highlighting all 22, our friends at all 22 are unveiling the newest fancy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing. All 22 uses PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to full, to build a full 30 man roster, offensive line included. If you've ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office, if you enjoy the scouting process, you're going to want to check out all 22. Join the waitlist on all. Dash 22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the waitlist below the NFL draft, you'll receive a special promo for all for your all 22 subscription. Waitlist users will even gain access to premium content like inaugural draft guides, in season strategies, feature release announcements, and more. Be sure to follow all 22 underscore PFF on Twitter. All 22, less fancy, more P, more football. Big fan of all 22, obviously. And coming out of the combine, you like some of these guys, these defensive tackles, these linebackers, guys that you can't draft in normal fantasy football leagues, that is your opportunity. Off the tackles. It was a good day for a lot of these guys. Oh, yeah. We knew Trevor Penning, Bernard Ryman would be jumping up. I think those are two winners that we saw coming with you know some of the details that we had and also seeing Trevor Penning vault into the top 10 of Daniel Jeremiah's draft, mock draft late. But those two are, are two of the bigger winners for sure. Yeah, Trevor Penning, all-time sort of combine for him. Four eight nine forty at three twenty five is stupid fast. 
Now, whatever, even if you want to throw that out the window. 7253 cone at that size is unbelievable. 462 shuttle is very solid as well. So great day for him. Just as impressive, in my opinion, though, was Bernard Ryman because his sort of uh, explosive drills, 9-9 broad jump for Ryman. Now, the 40 wasn't as fast as I was kind of expecting. He runs only 505, so just a touch over 5. I thought he could have been like a 4.8s guy. But a 9-9 broad jump, a 30.5-inch vertical, along with 30 bench press reps, all very good numbers. Then 4-4-9 shuttle, 7-4-6-3 cone. That is an elite athlete for the tackle position. I think you can lock him in in the first round here right now. We're not doing that segment anymore, but I think you would still do it. Kellen Deesh and Abraham Lucas, though. Lucas had himself, made himself maybe the most draft stock money here by going 4-4 in the short shuttle. And if you do not know, short shuttle is the single most correlated drill for offensive linemen to success in the NFL. The fastest short shuttle of anyone in attendance, 4-4-0. Also goes in the three-cone, 7-2-5. Tied for the fastest three-cone. We talked about it with... Who was it two years ago? Did the same thing. It was the Boise State offensive lineman who went to the Vikings, whose name I am blanking on now. Brian O'Neill? No, no, it's not Boise State. Um, That's Pitt. He plays guard now. Brian O'Neill does? No. The guy I'm talking about. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's bad content. But Ezra (laughs) Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland. Talk about that. That's guys that test that well athletically along the offensive line at that size. Just go highly. I don't care what the tape looks like. And Abraham Lucas' tape, in my opinion, is better than Ezra Cleveland's tape. So he'll go somewhere in the first two rounds, probably round two now, Abraham Lucas. So that's, those are great numbers for him. And then the last guy I'll highlight, Kellen Deesh, Arizona State off tackle. We've talked about how weird his build is. At six foot seven, he has 32-inch arms. But he went 4'4'3", 32-and-a-quarter-inch arms, excuse me. 4'4'3 in the short shuttle, 32-and-a-half-inch vertical in a 4'8'9'40". I think he's top 75 player in the class. Now, where does he go? Probably not top 75, but I think he could sneak into somewhere in day two. A lot of big winners. Big winners for your guys, too. You're a big Raymond fan going in. You're a big Deesh fan going in. Penning, not so much, but, I mean, he's a guy that we knew going to be jumping up boards. I also thought, felt it was, a, it was a relatively long interior offensive line class. You have to be impressed with Zion Johnson with 34-inch arms. I think Darian Kennard, who did not test well. Darian Kennard was not an otherworldly tester by any means but did come in with 35 inch arms and 11 inch hands which is pretty absurd i think the the other guy i wanted to highlight was tyler smith i think tyler smith made himself some money as well i think he was impressive in a lot of the drills at the combine one seven one ten yard split is among the fastest among offensive tackles and tenants and charles cross now charles cross yeah was billed as this guy that was not as athletic as the top ones but he came in and, and tested really well. One seven three ten yard split, four nine five forty yard dash, and one hundred twelve inch broad. Like all those numbers are pretty damn yeah, good. I for mean, him. we we said that it's like he's not as athletic as the top guys because the top guys in Nkwanu and Neil are freaks. But Charles Cross is a, a very good athlete in his own right. It's like we weren't saying that he wasn't going to test poorly. It's just he doesn't have this trump card drill that he's going to crush and knock out the park the way those guys kind of did so unfortunately we didn't get to see Falele do anything but the bench because i think it would have been an interesting short shuttle yeah. hmm. that short shuttle from Falele would have been pretty fun pretty fun to watch um how about losers from the combine yeah max mitchell from louisiana the offensive tackle senior bowl guy has had a rough pre-draft he did not show well in the senior bowl goes to the combine and Five three two forty, eight oh nine three cone, four six five shuttle or the shuttle is probably an all right number, but the rest are not great. And 
again, he's undersized. Three hundred. Yeah, he's also pounds. a lighter guy. It's like yeah. that's what like those are fine numbers. You if you get away with that, if yeah, if you win with power, he's a guy who struggled with power. In fact, when you saw him on tape at the, at the Senior Bowl, so not had the greatest time. And then Thayer Munford. Um, actually don't have his numbers in front of me right now, but they were all pretty ugly. Now, we did have long arms, 35-inch arms, Thayer Munford. But uh, I think he, the way he tested was firmly 5'3", 940-yard dash. Uh, Only 104-inch broad, 22-inch vert for Thayer Munford. That is rough. That that's, is rough. Yeah, there we go. 35-inch arms is impressive, but, man, 22-inch vert and 104-inch broad is bad. That's a guard. What about Kenyon Green? Kenyon Green, I didn't did not test otherworldly. Thirty four inch arms, ten inch hands at um, three hundred twenty three pounds, but just a five two four forty yard dash, hard two broad. Well, he's on the inverted. interior offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to the interior offensive lineman. I'm yeah. sorry, I thought we were bucking these guys together. We're all we're all off. We're all off. We're all off to a good good piece here. Great piece. Staying on the offensive tackles. Back to the tape. You've already mentioned Abraham Lucas. Got to go back yeah. and watch him. How about the pump the brakes? Pump the brakes for me is. Off tackle number one overall. Now, Ike Kwanu had a good day. I'm not saying that he didn't by any means, but I don't think he's as rare an athlete to draft number one overall as Ian Hutchinson is. And I've had this rant before, and I'm probably going to have it again. But 7.823 cone and 4.73 short shuttle, and at 310 pounds, he didn't come in like the 325, 330 monster we thought Ike Kwanu might. He came in svelte, well built, and his sort of change of direction drills are still not number one pick overall worthy in my eyes. Now, Evan Neal, whatever, didn't test TBD on that, but is a very good athlete. But to me, Aiden Hutchinson, and we'll get to it when we do the defensive player pod, what he did in the three cone in the short shuttle is not – you don't see that for a 260-pounder. That is nothing short of elite, different, like built differently. That is the guy you take number one overall, in my opinion. So now, again, splitting hairs here, but that's, that's my soapbox take of the day. Love it. Love it. Do not take any of these guys number one overall. They just, all stink is pretty much what you're saying. No, no. I'm just saying Aiden's <laughs> more of a rare dude. Yeah, fair enough. On to interior offensive line. Winners, Zion Johnson, according to Kevin Cole, had the highest com- war projection yeah. coming off of the combine. Uh, came in 312 pounds, 10, over 10-inch 10 hands, 34-inch arms, 175, 10-yard split. His size is impressive. 112-inch broad, 32-inch vert. I mean, yeah. th- this four four six short shot, this was a banner day, banner day for Zion Johnson. And now when you have – I think he locked himself up the first round. Like Zion Johnson is not getting past the Bengals at 31. I'm sorry. There's just no way. He is – the tape is there. The senior bowl was phenomenal. And now he tests as one of the better offensive line prospects in this class. I, this guy's a first-rounder. I even, with Zion Johnson's sort of movement ability, I'd be, I'd be curious to see if anyone wants to move him out to tackle. Because he played there back in 2020, I believe – for Boston College, or was it 2019? He played he played off the tackle at one point for Boston College. Four four six short subtle seven three eight cone are fantastic numbers for a three hundred twelve pounder and thirty four inch arms. Like yeah, he's a little on the shorter side, but he's still taller than Isaiah Wynn, who had almost the exact same build as Zion Johnson. Now he played tackle in college more at Georgia, but I, I could see someone again positional value take someone wanting to move this guy outside with that sort of ability mm-hmm. so and even like that so. even that like potential i think does elevate his stock even if you're not wanting to put him at tackle right yeah. away thinking that you could yeah. will put him kind on of boards like, too kind of like elton jenkins coming out mm-hmm. it was like yeah he, he could play tackle now he hasn't sent in a while as a center but as the arm length as movement skills like that's a good portion of what it takes to play tackle you know another big winner 
Chattanooga's Cole Strange, who had the biggest broad of any offensive lineman in tennis, 120-inch broad, 28-inch vert, also had a 4-5 short shuttle for a guy at 307 pounds, 33-inch arms, 10-inch hands for Cole Strange. Yeah, he's explosive on tape. And so this matched up with that wholesale. And then again, like you said, 4-5 short shuttle, 4-5 and under is a good track record in the NFL for the short shuttle. So, yeah, Cole Strange made himself some money with his pre-draft process. Other winners here, we have Dylan Parham of Memphis. Oh, yeah, I thought he was a winner just because weight-wise. Mm-hmm. He was the guy we highlighted who was like 285 he was listed at back at Memphis. And now that might have been a little bit of a dated weight. He looked heavier already this year, but definitely looked 285 when he played back in 2020 at offensive tackle for them. Comes here 311, but still goes 493 in the 40 at 311 pounds, so up a good amount of weight from what he played at a couple years ago and what he even looked on tape and still runs like that still almost a 10 foot broad or still almost just over just excuse me a nine foot broad jump very good number for him very good numbers all around so dylan parham i thought a winner of the day losers i know i teased it on the offensive tackle portion and i apologize for that but kenyon green was not it was not a banner day for kenyon green i thought he'd come in and test a lot better if i'm being honest he was one of the lower lower ranked players from a total pff athleticism score perspective showing up in indy yeah now he did have over 34 inch arms but just very average to below average across the board combine testing and i was still a younger guy coming out but it showed up a little heavy 325 i think he's firmly a guard and now, guard athleticism doesn't matter nearly as much as tackle athleticism, but you still would have liked to see better if you're drafting that guard. Shit, I mean, DJ had him 11th overall than Washington Commander, so. I don't think he's going that high. Not going that high anymore. Other loser, and I, I highlighted this, and I, I hated that I did in hindsight because there's a lot of people that want to be dead. But he does not have long arms, and there's not a lot of historical success for how long his arms are, sub-31-inch arms. It's difficult to win in the NFL with that short of arms, even if you are playing – the position along the offense line where you need the arm length the least, right? Center, yeah. you can you can afford 30, 31-inch arms, but Linderbaum coming in on the lower side, getting immediate, immediate comps to Garrett Bradbury of NC State, yeah. who is still, I think, a starter, obviously, from Minnesota Vikings, but has not lived up to the first-round billing, right? He was drafted in the first round, has not held up well in pass protection. Run blocking has improved over the course of his career, but you're going to run into concern. It's something that you're going to have to overcome. And when you're also short arms and not very heavy, I mean, those two things are going to be working against you all, all forever. Yes. So I will say I'd pump the brakes on the Linderbaum Bradbury comp. You still have seen their tape. I still thought their tape was very Linderbaum different. was a lot better on tape. Yes, on tape. But it's hard not to from a pure physical perspective, just seeing what they both are from a build, from an athleticism perspective, like similar, similarly built guys. And obviously Bradbury was thought of much higher much more highly than he's performed at an NFL level. So that's going to be in the back of your mind. If you're going to pull the trigger on Tyler Linderbaum, that maybe his close to athletic comp is Garrett Bradbury. Now he's also very close to athletically comp-wise to Jason Kelsey, who came in 280 pounds to the combine, way lighter than Tyler Linderbaum even did. And he's been one of the best centers in the NFL, maybe a Hall of Famer. So those are your, two, those are your only two outcomes. He's either Garrett Bradbury, Jason Love Kelsey. That. Love There's that. no in-between where he can just be Tyler Linderbaum. I do think that... Coming in at 296 pounds, close to the 300 mark, 10-inch hands, 31-inch arms, but then not testing, too, because he's supposed to test. Now, like, why are, why do you think he's not testing? Is he adding is adding a ton of Maybe. weight? Is but, adding yeah, a ton of I weight think he could be up heavier than he would like to be um, or plays at, so that could be a big factor why. 
interested to see his his um, pro day because I think those numbers are really good. But what is he weighing in at his pro day, and do you get that figure when it does come out? You already mentioned your pump the brakes on Tyler Linderbaum, Bradbury Comp. Where are you going back to tape? This one is a guy I truthfully have not watched, and he tested out. Like this is an all time combine for an interior offensive lineman, Zach Tom, Wake Forest. Four nine, so at six four three zero four with thirty three and a quarter inch arms, ten three eighths inch hands. Those are very good numbers. He goes four nine four. 33-inch vertical, 910 broad jump, 7323 cone, 447 short shuttle. Every single one of those is like an elite number. Now, they don't sound that impressive, but like when you compare them to interior offensive linemen who are usually not the greatest of movers, this dude is about as good an athlete as you'll see. So shit, I'm going to have to go back and check tape on that because like I said, I haven't watched him. Zach Tom. On the fun to read segment, that was fun. I can't wait to do the defensive winners, losers, back to tape, etc. on the Tuesday or no Wednesday episode of Tailgate. We're going to get to the fun to read now. Fun to read. We had a handful of just really impressive fun to reads. This one, we were driving back from Indianapolis, and I was crying laughing because I didn't see this while we were all in time. Indy. It's an all-time all time. All exchange. So this is courtesy of Charles McDonald, who um, took a screenshot of this tweet, and it was Chris Fowler saying out a picture of what bridge is that? I don't know what bridge that is specifically, which I look like an asshole for not knowing, but yeah. it is a bridge. Desmond Howard up, didn't know either. So. Ex- obviously, so he puts a picture of the bridge. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it, where it's red and well, blue and yellow stripes. Obviously, for the support of Ukraine as as that unfolds over there. And Desmond Howard comes in. He's like, "Go blue." <laughs> he thinks this is about Michigan. It's the it's the it's the best tweet. It's one of the best tweet exchanges I think I've ever seen. Really Desmond is. Howard immediately saw the bridge. He's like, "Dude, go blue." <laughs> this is obvious. Oh man, it's when that you is, know football is in your blood. It is. When it really is in your blood. Have no awareness of the outside world. It's just you see a bridge that's blue and yellow, maize and blue. Go blue. Go blue. Fair. He, it was maize and blue. It was maize. It and wasn't blue. quite maize. That, right, that wasn't quite blue. That was that wasn't Michigan blue. That was like Ukraine blue. This other exchange I thought was pretty great too. Michael Silver tweets out. Michael Silver, who I think works for I don't know who he works for now. NFL Network. I think I'm not sure who who Michael Silver works for now, but he is has a Twitter. Today, Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari is getting Bakhtiari is getting married in California. Aaron Rodgers is set to officiate it. Matt Lafleur will be there. Rodgers is likely to tell the Packers what he wants to do by Tuesday afternoon. Timing's kind of wild. Bakhtiari says, "Mike, what the actual fucking reply on Twitter?" Now, I get why Bakhtiari is upset, but he didn't give like the location of the wedding out, right? Like I thought, I, I, why do you? What's driving the actual fuck? It is a weird report because like the guy's like trying to get married and not trying to be up in the buzz here and like people trying to like go to california find out where the venue is and interview i could see it being kind of hectic but he didn't give away the actual venue of the wedding well that's not what he's upset about he's just like how weird like it, it's just a humanless tweet to like that's a that's Michael a good Silver's, way of framing it and i think that's what bakhtiar is referring to when he says what the actual fuck he's like you're literally like this is my best friend like who cares <laughs> like why what are you like none of us obviously david bakhtiar probably doesn't give a shit about the timing of it or anything. So him for him to be highlighting that as like an actual story is why I believe Dave Bakhtiari would be thinking what the fuck. I am very interested in your perspective on this next tweet because Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl sent out a tweet shortly after Lewis Seen, who blew up the combine, I'm sure we'll be talking about on Wednesday's pod. 
Heard from multiple teams that George's Lewis scene blew them away in interviews. Is he the first safety off the board now after running a 4 through 7 and jumping 11-1? There were some teams that had first-round grades on him before doing all of that. Now, I, part of me thought when he first sent this, because I saw it when he first sent it, that he like forgot about Kyle Hamilton because he's been one of the more yeah. under-discussed yeah, yeah, yeah. players in this class. That, yeah. You could see him forgetting it. And then someone replied, though, and said, how many scouts, how when scouts are considering this man Hamilton the best player in the draft? And he said, which scouts? So I do think he kind of doubled down on it. Yeah. Doubled down on Lewis Seen being the first safety out the board. There's no way, right? There's no way that happens. So my only take on this, the only thing I want to say, and it goes back to kind of what I said about the criticism we get at PFF. Oh, you're not players. And then you see what former players and their quarterback rankings shit and shit look like. And you're like, why should it matter that I'm a former player? When you hear scouts and people say, oh, the media always overreacts to combine measurables. And then literally a former scout saying, just because of two combine measurables, this guy's now going to leapfrog Kyle Hamilton to safety one. Off of not even two combine measurables, because they were about two inches away in that broad jump. One combine measurable, just being the 40 here, ready to leapfrog Kyle Hamilton because of just a 40. That's all I'll say about it. That is that is a bit wild. When I when I first saw it, I thought it was because Lewisine was a Senior Bowl guy, <laughs> and like he got yeah. well, Lewisine didn't even go to the Senior Bowl. So I I don't know. That's that's wild buzz coming from Nagy, who's obviously a friend of the show. But I was not. I thought I when he, I swear to God, when I first saw it, I thought he just forgot about Hamilton because Hamilton, yeah. from everything we've heard, is a lot to be a top five prospect in this class, like a top five pick player. And I'm not saying if you if you have him close, sure by all means have seen jump him, but like not close. But my board, not close on, I'm guessing, a lot of teams' boards. So I, I, I would disagree with the sentiments. But I do just think it's funny that, like, the media always gets shit on for trying to – for moving guys after, you know, a combine workout. And it's like, well, you know, everyone's susceptible. Everyone, everyone is susceptible. Let's get to this next tweet that I think is the funniest shit I've seen today, at least. This is from Corey Yates, who – I was talking to C. Paul Zola, who works here at PFF, and yeah. said Corey Yates is doing a lot of really cool things with our analytics, yeah. and maybe this is part of it. But I was just floored at this graphic. This graphic has – it's called Intangalytics, where it's measuring intangibles of players, and he puts together a graphic of Chase Young versus Kayvon Thibodeau on a spider chart measuring achievement striving, grit, positivity, leadership, empathy, curiosity, self-discipline, action-oriented – conscientiousness and adaptability and like he has this i just don't like did he interview these both these players and run them through a series of tests to like measure this stuff because if you interviewed Kayvon thibodeau and you found him low on the curiosity scale you're high this guy has a discord where he's challenging people to trust for his own cryptocurrency okay if that's not curiosity i don't know what it is this is definitely action oriented i don't know there's it's th- probably just words it's probably word analytics i'm guessing text it's analytics from, it's, well it's probably just from what he said about um, just how he approached his presser, maybe. Yeah, like literally, like a press conference. Whatchamacallit, like a right the, what's that called? When transcript. Probably just a transcript from a press conference fed it into like a a, a text. But do you feel thing. like that's just enough to even put anything out? What do you mean, just enough? You can put whatever the fuck you want on Twitter. I know you can, but isn't that not absurd? I mean, there's a reason we're on this freaking segment. This is absurd. Yeah, I you're think gonna it's you're gonna run some analytics on what he said at a press conference and tell me he has a zero out of a hundred adaptability. That's fucking insane. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's hilarious. I would never actually trust any of this, but I just don't. I just don't get how like the data has any validity. If it, especially if it's off of that. Now, if he like sat down with these players and like ran them through hours of psychological testing 
and backed it versus other data against other players where you could add it to a spider map, maybe it makes sense. But I don't know if Corey Yates is doing that. And if he's not, then I just do think it's kind of screwed up. Like, would Aiden Hutchinson just be this full map like, where you're just like, yeah, he's just the perfect player? I just feel like it's kind of screwed up. I don't think you should be putting data to some of this stuff if you don't feel that confident in it. Especially with all the shit Kayvon Thibodeau's already getting. <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau's already getting buried. Well, he said it's perplexing. He, he was trying to give him a compliment. Better than Chase Young. Yeah. Wow. So he's better than Chase Young. Chase Young finding out now, not curious at all. Also, can't adapt. And not positive grit. at all. K- no. Chase Young was not a positive guy, apparently. Kayvon K- Thibodeau's really positive. Zero percentile positivity. You did not say a single positive thing. That Damn. was pro- I'm, I'm guessing, though, having seen this, that this was based off of literally a transcript of their combine presser. Because remember Chase Young showed up and was like, no, I'm not. I'm focusing on football. Like He was very serious about He's like, I'm not going to do any drills because I didn't want to prepare for – I want to play, prepare to play actual football games, not to win a combine sort of thing was his whole shtick when he showed up. So Maybe. Maybe. Did, Quinn, are you able to pull on the YouTube my reply to Corey Yates? I thought it was kind of spectacular. I'm not sure if you can see the tweet underneath. You can't call your own reply spectacular. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was, a good, it was a good reply, but you can't say that yourself. No, that's true, actually. That's true, actually. On to the Save Your Life segment. I think there was – so this one I was chatting up people at the Combine. I don't understand how this Kenny Pickett hand size joke got more likes – than a lot of the other ones out there. There were some good ones. Yeah, specifically yours. You mine, stop talking about yours. Mine specifically was better. I'm not. We don't have to talk about it. But Bill Barnwell of ESPN. You're really pumping your own tweets up today. You're, you're, got, you're feeling your Twitter. Well, I'm a little, little Kayvon Thibodeau, a little freaking yeah. confidence, baby. A maybe little that's confidence. why you like Kayvon Thibodeau now. Because I'm a cocky piece of shit. Yeah. Not sure why everyone is freaking out about Kenny Pickett's hand size. Lionel Messi's hands aren't even eight and a half inches, and he was one of the greatest athletes the world's ever seen. Get it? Because he plays soccer and doesn't use his hands? That joke isn't that good. How is that getting 4,600? Yeah. Save your likes. This one, I think you just have a vendetta against Bill Barnwell. This I don't. Really, I, I like Bill really Barnwell. It doesn't really fit the save your likes. Like, that's just an objectively okay tweet. I think you're just jealous that he got more okay. likes. Okay. I mean, it's not like that's not, not a, good, a leap, but like it doesn't fit the segment idea, which is attacking tropey tweets that are no, it rehashed. Doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. That's just like a joke that's like okay. I'm in a bad mood today, Ren. No, that's on I me. I just don't think that one should have been included in Save Your Life. No, I think that's fine. I'm going to leave if it's cool. <laughs> Only a couple more seconds the, here. The, sec- you- the second Save Your Life here is definitely something. Yeah. That- and I'm at, my, at fault for a handful of them. But 99% of, of Combine tweets are Save Your Life tweets. I got tagged in like 20. Like, yeah. oh, wow, flame emoji, flame emoji of a player running a 4-3, yeah. saying his name and then saying what he ran with three exclamation points. Yes. Those are all savior-like type of tweets. But they do well every single time. They're just playing the data. Trevor, yeah. Trevor Sikama sends out Chris Olave 426. Oh, my God. And it gets two, 400 likes in 10 minutes. Yeah, it's because you guys are feeding him. Now, I love Trevor Sikama. He's an answer here at PFF. I sent out one saying Chris Olave, flame emoji, flame emoji. You guys liked it 300 times. Stop liking those goddamn tweets. Save your likes. Save your likes. For Bill Barnwell's, I guess. Unless For Bill Barnwell's you, you literally are like a, an NFL network, a – PFF, a brand account that is proliferating information. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless people are coming to you for information, if you just put out a guy in their 40 time that's objectively bad content. I, I, also, I also feel... Editorialize. Yeah. You need to fucking Get editorialize. creative. Get cre- that's, the whole, of, that's what the segment's think, about. The segment is about creativity. Yeah. Yes. The segment's about, like, throwing a good bat, swinging a good bat, okay? Yeah. The segment's about being creative. Now, I guess Bill Barnwell was creative in his. Was it funny? No. Yeah. You <laughs> fucking hate that guy. <laughs> um, on to the power rankings. I thought this was good. Power rankings to close out the show here. 
combine events, specifically events that the media teams, agents, trainers do in Indianapolis. Your number one. Combine events? Or combine. Any, anything. So it's anything related. That, you, I can't believe you didn't put the PFF part at St. Elmo's. Oh, I didn't put it's the a PFF. go-to. Oh, my gosh. Invitation. It's only the most exclusive of exclusive, and it's actually not even – I'm joking about that. It's like a lot of – it's pretty much the nerdiest place to be at the combine. I think every single – It's the dutiest place. Oh, They're, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There, you won't find a bar with a worse ratio than that one. That mm. was – it was like 98% dudes. Cause it smelt like 98% dudes. It's uh, every team analytics person shows up. Like, and every team – like all the invite. teams are invited. Yeah. So we invite the video coordinators, the those, and like obviously personnel too, but we – don't know we don't interact with as many coaches and gms and that so you'll see some show up i think actually rick smilman is there this year um who's actually not a gm anymore but the pff part at st elmo's is it's fantastic since the was there no i should have put that in there, there. Uh, looking the back legend, at my list. uh evan silva was there looking incredible he's wearing to run the damn ball hat like a psychopath he's growing out his beard he looked like santa claus when he introduced me to when he like said hey austin how's it going i was like who the fuck is this guy yeah, i thought he was an offensive line coach did i ever tell a story on the pod about how i met evan silva when i first met him i'm not sure okay i, I may have but evan silva the what's his what's their company called he's, he started established the run established the run probably the most respected fantasy analyst him and matthew barry are like one and two for in terms of fantasy following I'm at a bar in Chicago visit when I was visiting my brother called Hook and Ladder. It's in It's Link, a cool name Link for a bar. bar. It's a good it's a great bar. It's my favorite. Sports bar? bar? Yes. And I am talking to my friends and just out of the blue, I get picked up. I get picked up from like the side. Like a guy who was just at the bar prior to that picks me up and he is fucking enormous. If you ever <laughs> met Elvin Silva, he is like six foot five, maybe like three hundred pounds. Massive dude. You thought he was an off-the-line coach when you first saw him because he had to run the damn ball hat. Picks me up, puts me down. I'm, like, t- terrified for my life, looking him dead in the eyes, thinking I'm about to just get, like, rock-cityed. And rock I'm like cityed. And he just has these wildest eyes, and I'm like, Evan Silva? <laughs> and he's like, Mike fucking Renner. And I was like, oh, shit. So that was how I met Evan Silva. But now uh, he's a friend. Met some cool people at the PFF party this year. Evan Silva, I've met before, but it was cool to see him again. Josh Norris, Hayden Winks were out there. Had uh, Kaylin Kaler from Defector Media. She's a friend of the pod for sure. Uh, it was good. I wish I put that on my list. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Number one, I put instead Prime After 12 a.m. I've already talked about it a ton. Prime After 12 yeah. is Prime. Literally Prime. I think it's. <laughs> I think when you die, they should bury you at Prime. Around 4 a.m. on a Wednesday. They should. I, oh, am I? You, I you kind of been happier, though. You kind of <laughs> counter my take on the unparalleled bar scene. It is unparalleled. The energy is yeah. unparalleled. Yeah. Now, is it. Now, you're not like chasing tail at these bars, all right? It's a no. lot of dudes. But it is. Uh, it's wild to see that many, like, influential NFL people in the same bar. Because you don't even get that Senior Bowl. Senior yeah. Bowl, Veets is like the bar that everyone goes to in Mobile, Alabama. And it doesn't close that late. And, not, and there are other bars that people go yeah. to. Um, Prime is legitimately, if you are in the NFL, you go there after the events. My number two, I'll go first. High Velocity, which is the bar I mentioned in the JW Marriott before 12 a.m. Go there. There's a lot of the um, media is where a lot of those congregate, which is the, the beers there, by the way. So expensive. Oh, my God. I was getting drilled. Yeah. It's like $11 for like a tall boy Miller Lite. They know they got you. It's a hotel bar. They know. They know you got better options. I was like, I, I don't know who I was talking to. It was some of the guys at the Ringer. Danny Kelly, Kalen Jones. It, it, it was 
And they're like, oh, I'll get around for us. I grabbed like six beers. It was like $80. I was like, wait a second. I didn't mean to be this We're going to nice. need Venmo requests. Yeah, right? but I just guys? started charging people. <laughs> but high velocity before 12 is sweet. And All there's right. food there, too, if you need to get food. My number two is Starbucks. That's JW Marriott, which always necessary, obviously, um, when I wake up. But also, you'll see every single – if you so it's like kind of at a crux of a point where everything funnels through right next to the Starbucks. There's actually a story written about in The Athletic where if you stand at that Starbucks, you will probably see every GM and head coach in the NFL at some point throughout the week, that, at, at least the ones that are there. Yeah. So, yeah. It also hits way better than the Starbucks adjacent in the lobby of the Courtyard Marriott, which I got coffee at every day, and it was not good. There's a reason that line's short, fellas. There's a reason that line is short. Uh, my number three, I put media workroom breakfast lunch. The energy in the morning recapping some of the events of the previous night and you get the free food. I do feel like that's a nice piece. Yeah. I, I, I like the media work. That's massive. I, the prime after midnight though is my number three. I'm a fan as well. Top three. Before we close, Mike, can I give you a live, can you give me a live reaction to the Cincinnati Bengals applying the franchise tag to Jesse Bates? Had to do it. Had to do it. Working on a long-term deal from what I've heard. Sounds like they're not, not all that interested in him playing on the tag, but obviously two parties have to agree. On to the next one. Appreciate you all for joining to Tailgate here on this Monday, live Monday episode. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the episode wherever you get your podcast. We're going to be back on Wednesday talking defensive combine review for the rest of the week. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming as well. Really appreciate everyone who joined. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate. Tailgate.